At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks on this edition as we talk about an issue that, quite frankly, has been frustrating to me. Ron, uh, hey, welcome to the welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Richard. And as we've been talking off the air about um, going through our notes and things, I'm, I'm equally fired up because it, it seems like to be able to have some conversations nowadays, you have to take logic, reason, law, throw them completely out the window, yeah. and you have to say, unless you agree with fringe thinking, unless you agree with things that, that were understandably wrong yeah. 10 or 15 years ago, unless you agree with all that, apparently we're, we're idiots. Yeah, no, and, and I don't want to agree with that too quickly, but because <laughs> some people in well, the listening some, yeah. audience might my, just my, say, yeah, yeah of course you guys are idiots. Sure, sure. But what we're talking about is, a, is an article in the Lexington Herald-Leader that just came out the other day, and it says this, after protest, a head scratcher, why does Kentucky Farm Bureau oppose transgender bathrooms? And the context of this is that the Kentucky Farm Bureau is the largest insurance provider in Kentucky, about 500,000 members, and they have an annual breakfast, uh, the Farm Bureau breakfast, where you have the governor and other dignities attend, well-attended breakfast. And at this event, Ron, you had protesters from the Kentucky Fairness Campaign who came to protest Farm Bureau because of their policies. Mm -hmm. In the Farm Bureau policy handbook, it says that they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. They also took on the position this year that uh, they were opposed to transgender bathrooms in public schools, mm -hmm. which is their right to do. It's a sure. private organization. Uh, it largely represents uh, people in the rural part of Kentucky, and they're conservative in rural Kentucky. But the Kentucky Fairness Campaign doesn't like that. So they go to this breakfast year after year. Often they make a scene. They disrupt. They protest, and they end up getting arrested. And that's what happened uh, this last uh, at this last breakfast. In the in the, in the uh, editorial, um, the the author of the editorial writes that um, that he the the these people uh, protest each and every time, but they're not always arrested. But uh, it says that uh, this time he was arrested, and then said uh, he had to be arraigned, he had to post bail, and and all the rest of that sort of stuff. That that's what happens when you get arrested. That's what happens when you right. disturb the peace. Right. When you don't uh, when you don't have the proper permits, you disturb a private organization, and you're arrested for disturbing the peace, regardless of the context, regardless of the thought. You are arrested. You have to post bail. You have to go to arraignment. And you'll have to appear before a judge to describe why you were breaking the law. That's right. Now, what was particularly frustrating about this, Ron, as you and I were talking about off the air, was that you have uh, one of the largest newspapers in Kentucky that's actually defending this. Mm -hmm. They're essentially saying it's the Farm Bureau's fault. They have antiquated policies. You know, they, sh they should be more concerned about the burning of the Amazon forest and other things like that and less concerned about gay marriage or transgender bathrooms. And uh, They actually I, went so far, as, so far as to call the Farm Bureau subversive. They yeah. were subversive. 
because they said that their primary responsibility should be agricultural issues and they shouldn't get out of their lane, basically, even though they insure houses and cars and all the rest of that, that really this organization was trying to suggest to the Farm Bureau, this is what you ought to be concerned with. Let us be concerned with public policy and all the rest of that sort of stuff. And they said since Farm Bureau wasn't up front and just uh, 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 dealing with agricultural issues, they were being subversive. Now, was that uh, the, the Chris Hartman, the head of the Fairness Campaign? Yes. Or was that the uh, – okay, so that was Chris Hartman that said that. Yes. They're being subversive. And mm-hmm. that they're not – to add to that, that they were not being upfront about their policies. Well, if you're a member of Farm Bureau, everybody has access to the policy handbook. Sure. And they can figure out what it says there. Uh, or if they're concerned about changing the policies, they can run for leadership or somehow vote or let their opinions be known. But this is a private entity. Sure. Now, this is something important for us to realize. Kentucky Farm Bureau is one of many different private entities in Kentucky. Many of these private entities and organizations have uh, policies. They have procedures. They have certain beliefs. And I would venture to say, Ron, they're not the only ones that have conservative views on no. marriage or transgender bathrooms. Absolutely. And and when uh, he was actually quoted as saying the Family Foundation is up front about who they are, mm-hmm. um, and he said the Farm Bureau, and this is quote, the Farm Bureau is claiming to be something it's not. It's that fact that they're being, the, it's the fact that they're being so subver- subversive about it. Yeah. Farm Bureau insures, uh, the health insurance, uh, life insurance, those sort of things. If they say, um, if we're going to insure your family, we want to be able to wade into the conversation about what a family looks like. Sure. They're saying if we're going to insure your family, we want to we're saying that a traditional family, according to the scriptures, according to for mm-hmm. thousands of years or hundreds mm-hmm. of years, this nation has recognized a family mm-hmm. being a husband and a wife and children. We want to maintain it that way because it impacts our bottom line. The well, idea that they don't have the right to wade into that? That's right. And they're that's, being subversive? That's right. In fact, Farm Bureau has positions on many issues because they're concerned about overall societal health. They do assess the risks of certain behavior. They do cost-benefit analysis in certain areas. So, of course, they're going to take positions on a number of issues. You know, they're going to probably say it's dangerous to drink and drive as yeah. well. Yeah. And it's going to hurt them, the person who's drinking and driving, but it hurts society and it hurts those who are insured. And when that happens on a wide scale where it becomes acceptable, guess what? All of our insurance rates go up. I wonder so, how the editor, the editor of the newspaper would feel if I said the same thing about them. They said this in the editorial, the Farm Bureau feels the need to take a stand on gay marriage and general neutral bathrooms is depressing. But it's a good illustration of the urban-rural divide these days. I think Farm Bureau has bigger problems, tariffs that are costing them billions, climate change that is destroying their crops, and high suicide rates. So what, what if I said to this editor of the newspaper, I think you have bigger problems. Why don't you worry about why your circulation is falling <laughs> off? Why don't you worry about why people aren't reading your newspaper anymore? Why don't you stay in your lane and just worry about managing a newspaper instead of worrying about Farm Bureau? They would be offended because, hey, we're the watchdogs of society. They're saying we can do this. I can do this as an editor of a newspaper. But unless you're the upper echelon, the intellectual like I am, you just need to stick to farming issues and let us more intelligent people worry about how societies run. That, that just... It's a what, Ron, and in, in, in this you, is what I'm hearing anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, and and my frustration is right there with you. You have a news outlet that 
at one point, at one time, they were considered fairly objective. It might have been 50 years ago. I don't know. But they're certainly not considered objective now in covering this story. The author, by the way, of that uh, column uh, was Linda Blackford of the Lexington Herald Leader. And uh, they're obviously looking at this story from a certain optic. It's from a left-leaning, secular optic uh, that has very little regard for those who are conservative, those who are religiously informed, and uh, private organizations, for that matter, and their uh, freedom to determine their own policies. Mm-hmm. And so I want us to come back after the break to, to look at that optic a little bit more. This rural-urban divide actually can be distilled further into a religious-non-religious or a religious-secular uh, divide. And I want us to talk okay. about that when we come back. Hey, Richard Nelson here. Did you know that there's an election coming up? And according to some projections, the turnout is going to be low, somewhere in the low 30th percent range. This means that only about one out of every three eligible voters will get out to the polls to vote this November the 5th. And this is unfortunate on two accounts. First, our freedom depends on our involvement and our vote. Second, it's a really important election. Races for governor, attorney general, and other constitutional offices are on the Kentucky ballot. And the future of our Commonwealth is at stake. To learn more about the candidates, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Inform yourselves about the candidates, then vote your values on Tuesday, November the 5th. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters, and uh, we're just talking about this uh, column in the Lexington Herald Leader that uh, was very critical of the Kentucky Farm Bureau and its policies for uh, affirming man-woman marriage, for being opposed to transgender bathrooms in public schools, and other conservative policies as well. The Herald Leader was very critical of them, and on the from all indications defended and supported the Kentucky Fairness Campaign. This is the largest gay rights organization in Kentucky. It supported their obstruction of a peaceful breakfast that Kentucky Farm Bureau has every year. And Ron, I had a hard time getting my mind around that, that uh, a news agency would somehow legitimize or think it's okay to become uncivil to uh, to to uh, disrupt a peaceful meeting uh, in order to make it uh, to get their point across. You know, this is intolerant. It's uncivil. And for a news agency that depends on tolerance, it depends on civility. It just seemed like a great contradiction. It is. You know, I, I served in the United States Army for 11 years and and uh, w- defended the right of any citizen of the United States to to protest, to freely speak their mind whether I agree with that or not. Um, so, so protesting in, 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 uh, is a fundamental right of an American. The idea, though, 
showing up in a mob to yeah. disrupt an event without the proper permits, causing disturbing the peace and all the rest of that, is not what our government meant when it said, yeah, the, citi- the citizens have the right to, you know, address uh, – uh, before a legislator complains, you know, you do have the right to protest, but that doesn't give you the right. I mean, you can't come into my backyard and protest my kid's birthday party. Right. You know, we don't have that's not freedom of speech. That's that's it, disruptive and breaking the it, law. It makes you uncivil. It makes yes, you rude. It absolutely. makes you obnoxious. And those yeah. are things that the newspaper might have called the fairness campaign out for doing. Yeah. Because they did all that. Yeah. But instead, they seem to defend them. Well, in singling out the the Farm Bureau, the the end of the article says, back here in Kentucky, we have many serious issues around agriculture, and the Kentucky Farm Bureau is is and continues to be an important partner in solving them. So they kind of threw them a little bone there. But worrying about how, quote, alternative lifestyles or teacher strikes or gay marriage might affect farming is a classic example of missing the point. Now, I think it's funny that they should mention the teacher strike. The teachers union, one of the largest unions, teachers union, on their, their very union, they have stances on abortion. They have stances on same-sex marriage. They right. have uh, the, the very thing that Farm, Farm Bureau stands. They, they also have stances, yet they don't, that, in this article, don't mention anything about them. That's exactly right. They don't and, say, why don't you just stick to education and let us intellectuals right. worried about these other things and, and that goes back to the optic that the journalists at some of our largest papers are looking through this is they're looking at this issue through a very narrow secular optic and they have disregard for those that have a conservative religiously informed yeah. optic yeah. and that's why they can report this way with a straight face they really believe that they're being i i think ron they really believe they're being objective or they're being thoughtful I don't think they can see the uh, the illogical nature of the uh, of the column that uh, that they just wrote. To borrow your term, drilling down to the core of yeah. this issue. Yeah. I mean, drilling all the way down to what causes this divide. Yeah, you and I have talked about this before. What's what's ultimately the the, the problem here? It's a problem of the heart. It's been said before that at the heart of the matter, it's a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. And our heart, the way we think, uh, how we process things, is really the really at issue here. Uh, whether it's the way that the journalist reports the story or the way that the fairness campaign is going to conduct themselves and try to get their agenda across. It's a heart issue. It's, it's a worldview issue, too. You know, when your heart uh, is, is darkened, you're going to see things darkly if your heart's been enlightened. And my conviction is that, look, there's a God who uh, he's real, he made this universe, mm-hmm. but we live in a fallen universe, a mm-hmm. fallen world. Uh, but he is the one who redeems, he restores, he gives a fresh set of eyes to look at things. And I know that in today's age that sounds so arrogant, it sounds so narrow, right, to say that there's a God who might have opened your eyes, Ron, mm-hmm. but he didn't open this other person's eyes. And I need to say that with humility, that I do believe that with all my heart that there's a God, and there is a God who redeems, but he, the same God, once we come into relationship with him, uh, he gives a, a new set of eyes, and with that new set of eyes, we see the world differently. Yeah, I think uh, C.S. Lewis, who said, I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sunrise, not that I see it, but that by it, I see everything else. Yeah. Yes. You know, if yeah. you think about that, yeah, we, if we uh, believe that there's a God, uh, if we believe that he speaks through his word, if we believe that he gives truth, 
then we see the whole, all of reality, the whole world around us with a different set of eyes. Well, in understanding that, that at the, at the core, it's a hard issue. You know, the scriptures say that spiritual things to non-spiritual people is foolishness. The gospel, the cross, is an offense to the non-believer. Um, and even it goes so far to say that, that if, you are, um, if you're not a part of God's family, you're actually an enemy of God yeah. and that you serve the devil. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, saying those things, you realize uh, there is a large divide. Broad is the path of destruction, and many that go that way. Narrow is the way, and few that find it. So we do need to understand that as conservative Christians, uh, when we hear these, and we are, both of us have got each other kind of screwed into the ground over this, we've got to realize these are folks who have not yet been enlightened, who, who we ought to look at them and as Jesus looked and said that he saw the crowds and had compassion on them right. as sheep without a shepherd. These folks need to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, not a religion but a relationship okay. with Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, that's that's good. And uh, as we approach them and approach these issues, we do it with great humility, realizing that at one time, you and I were once at war with God as well. We were. Francis Schaeffer said this, there are only two kinds of people in the world, those who are at war with God and those who used to be at war with God. <laughs> yeah. That puts us yeah. all in the same uh-huh. boat. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and Ron, that means that there's no room for you or I looking down at anybody. Right. It means that we can't uh, you know, shame them because mm-hmm. of their, where they are. Uh, we ought to have utmost humility. It doesn't mean that we don't you know, speak to the issues. It doesn't mean that we lose our convictions on the issues or our passion about these issues, but there's no room to, uh, to shame and to put down and at the same time, as I say that, I get fired up when I see media bias, when I see those who uh, purport to be objective and reporting on both sides when they're not doing that. The reason why I think I'm mm-hmm. frustrated is because they have so much influence sure. over such a great number. Hey, Ron, we're going to take a quick break, okay. and then we'll come back and we're going to unpack this sure. last uh, in this last segment. All right. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Hey, Richard Nelson here. Did you know that there's an election coming up? And according to some projections, the turnout is going to be low, somewhere in the low 30th percent range. This means that only about one out of every three eligible voters will get out to the polls to vote this November the 5th. And this is unfortunate on two accounts. First, our freedom depends on our involvement and our vote. Second, it's a really important election. Races for governor, attorney general, and other constitutional offices are on the Kentucky ballot. And the future of our Commonwealth is at stake. To learn more about the candidates, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Inform yourselves about the candidates, then vote your values on Tuesday, November the 5th. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. This is your host, Richard Nelson. I'm with Ron Hicks, and we're discussing an article in the Lexington Herald-Leader that was very critical of the Kentucky Farm Bureau 
and their conservative policies. And Ron, one of the uh, things that the author said, this is Linda Blackford uh, writing this column. Uh, She said that this policy or these policies that Kentucky Farm Bureau has is reflective of the urban rural divide. Mm. They probably reflect their constituency because most Farm Bureau customers are in rural Kentucky. You know, these are farmers. These are uh, rural uh, homeowners, mm-hmm. people out in the the majority of the state, by the way. The majority of Kentucky is rural. But I uh, wonder what she means by rural and urban divide. I mean, you, you think of the rural values and urban values, and, and uh, I, you know, I've got some thoughts. I don't know if, if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm on, but one of those is that the urban areas tend to be more liberal. Uh, they also tend to be more uh, democratic. Uh, they tend to be a little wealthier uh, and more secular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rural- more edu- generally, people um, um, have a higher level of formal education. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So we can't leave that part out. No, that's and that's good. Right. Make more money. Mm-hmm. I mean, the socioeconomic mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. is a little higher. The rural areas they tend to be more religious, a little lower socioeconomic status little less uh, wealth uh, or less wealth there. Uh, but these are generalities. Sure. Uh, but I think one of the big things, though, is that religious affiliation in rural areas, more Kentuckians, I believe, appear to be more religiously affiliated than and those in the urban areas. What, what I think is funny is when I hear people talk about religion as being a crutch, mm-hmm. um, group think mm-hmm. is a crutch. Yeah. So you get people in the cities and you get people in these things where – you just have a mob of people that are hollering and screaming and, and you know, and this is the, this, uh, and then you, you, as you're going down the street, you gain more and more people. And, yeah. and so I, I guess if you get your values from a, a preacher proclaiming it from the pulpit, that they, they, that's a crutch and you're ignorant and all. Yeah. But if it's on a street corner and somebody's hollering on a bullhorn and you follow them, I guess that's how intelligent people, that, that, you see that it's it's yeah. one from a pulpit and the other is from a street corner. One's a bullhorn, and they're they're professing their own internal values. And yeah. you know, if, if listeners, if you could see inside my heart, I'm a pretty sick and twisted guy. If without Jesus, I am helplessly and hopelessly lost. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Mm-hmm. So when I say, "Well, this is how I feel. This is what I think," yeah. that's why I need a savior. Yeah. Is because those those are. But here's something else, too. This is why you need a reference point outside of you. I'm going to bring it back yeah, to this yeah. because you have subjective values or subjective ideals, which is means that we determine what's important. We are the ones that are the ultimate determiners of right or wrong. Or you have an objective reality. Mm-hmm. There's something outside of our human condition that determines right and wrong, mm-hmm. good and evil. Uh, or whether or not transgender bathrooms are are okay. Yeah. Uh, there is something called objective truth, and I think that's another thing that you can differentiate the urban-rural divide, where those who are in the rural areas are going to be more inclined towards objective reality, objective truth, whereas those in urban areas will believe in a subjective reality. Well, urban a farmer understands the biblical principle that a seed has to die Mm-hmm. before it can produce a crop. You put a, a seed of corn in the ground, that, that seed of corn deteriorates and it dies, and then it produces a stalk that it produces two or three ears, yeah. each one of those ears having hundreds of seeds. A farmer understands that biblical principle. You have urban people that you give that example to, they have no concept yeah. of that, 
just because I haven't been exposed to that. Farmers in general have a better understanding of life cycles. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not just life, that seed that dies and, and bring, comes to, to grow again and, and produces a crop, but just life and death in general, the, the seasons of the year, uh, certain requirements that are needed on the farm, uh, you know, get your hay in you know, while mm-hmm, the sun's shining, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get your crops in before the snow falls, um, this idea of counting the cost before you plant your crops, that kind of thing. It's interesting. There's you a, reap what you sow. If you don't yeah. plant it, it's yeah. going to grow. Yeah. You know? yeah. Sure. There was a uh, intellectual uh, professor at the University of Chicago back in the 30s and 40s by the name of Richard Weaver, and he wrote a book called Ideas Have Consequences. Hmm. And in one of the parts of his book, he contrasted those in rural areas with those who are in the city, those in rural farmers in particular, Mm -hmm. how they were more in tune with life cycle. They were more grounded in reality. They uh, were better adjusted people. And those in the cities, and this is, by the way, not to be a broad brush stroke over the way it is for everybody, but anyways, those in the cities uh, had more problems. They were not grounded in the reality. They didn't have the same understanding of life that those in the in the agricultural communities had i had a conversation with somebody one time I, i'm an avid hunter and um, i was having a conversation one time with a coworker in reference to hunting and i was telling this person how hunters are are conservative uh, uh conservationalist yeah. and and all and they were just talking about the horrors of of hunting and how oh. could you take an innocent life and all the rest of that sort of stuff and i was talking about you know, selective hunting and, and game management and all the rest of that. And they were just horrified that I thought that way. Yeah. As we were talking, they unwrapped a candy bar and crumpled the wrapper up and threw it on the ground. And uh, littering to me is, is I, I can't wrap my brain around that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I leaned down and picked up their piece of paper and I just put it in my pocket and I kept talking. I thought to myself, I'm 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 having an intellectual conversation with an unarmed person. You know? <laughs> I really thought that, you know. So is this related to the news media today <laughs> yes, that we started off? I can take kind of full circle. I sometimes you think to yourself, I'm I'm you're, you're trying to have an intellectual conversation with somebody who's thrown reason out the door. And I want to try to pull this back to the news media today. You alluded in the very first segment that uh, they're losing subscribers and they're losing credibility. Because they've done just that. They're losing reason. They're losing their ability to, uh, to apply logic to a situation. And their optic that they look through is so narrow. And it's just from part of the spectrum. It's a far left, uh, irreligious part of the spectrum without regard to the other parts. And I think that th- this is such a big issue, Ron, because as the news media loses its credibility and as they lose their ability to, to think carefully and to reason carefully about issues, they will continue to lose uh, subscribers. And I guess that's okay, but the media is important, I think. The news media is important in that we need reliable journalists. We need sources that are reliable for us to get our facts from, the daily news updates. And at this point, the large mainstream news outlets are not the place to go. I was going to say, that's why in society we've seen a tremendous increase in citizen journalists, folks who yeah. got back to the basis. Yeah. I, I worked for 22 years in radio and television. Yeah. Uh, you would, we would tell our reporters as a news director, you got to tell both sides of the story. Uh, get, you, you, you present the story both sides. You don't give people your opinion. doesn't matter what your opinion is. Present what, what one group thinks. Present what the other group thinks. Let the intelligent viewer decide. Uh, but we've gotten away from that. 